welcome to the Build to Scale podcast. I'm CC Garland, and today we are going to be talking about the three foundations that every successful wholesaling company is built on. Now, you all may hear a lot of things out there regarding what's important in your real estate company, what you need to be focused on first in your wholesaling company. Well, I'm here to tell you guys that there are important things to focus on first. A lot of people out here will tell you, focus on cash buyers, focus on marketing, focus on transaction coordination, focus on building a team, focus on um, who knows what. There's a lot of information out there that can really confuse you. But most importantly, that information could drain your pockets quick. So you need to have a plan when you start wholesaling. And this podcast is going to go over some of the foundational components you need to focus on first before you start getting fancy. Think of it like this, guys. If you're trying to learn how to shoot three-pointers and uh, make people trip on the court by breaking their ankles, you probably need to know how to dribble and you probably need to know how to do basic free throws and do basic defense. This is what we're talking about here. I think there are a lot of great real estate investing podcasts, but I do think where they go wrong is not covering the very, very foundational components that your real estate investment company needs to be built on. And really, that's what I'm going to be covering um, on this podcast. So most of what I'm going to be uh, presenting here over the, you know, over the months or however long I keep this podcast up is are there going to be three these three foundations so i'm going to go ahead and read them off all right so the first one here is marketing now a lot of people may say man i know about marketing cc i hear this all the time yeah i could generate leads let me tell you specifically what marketing entails and why it is so important and i'll give you guys an analogy say you have a ferrari this ferrari is so amazing it's awesome it goes zero to 60 in 0.5 seconds. (laughs) Okay, so you have this Ferrari, but let's just say you don't have any money for gas or you don't have any gas stations near you. How far do you think you're getting? But hey, Cece, the steering wheel is really cool. Okay, that's cool. You could look at it, but you're not going to be able to steer. Man, but those tires look really awesome. Great. They're going to stay looking awesome and stationary because you don't have any gas to move. Man, CC, that convertible top, it is so smooth. Well, guess what? You will not feel the wind in your face because you don't have any gas to go. So I hope you guys understand where I'm getting at here. When it comes to real estate wholesaling, you have got to have leads coming in. I've heard a lot of people say over and over again, I need to hire an acquisitions manager. Why in the world are you going to hire an acquisitions manager? If one, you've never hired anybody or trained anybody in the day of your life. And two, you don't have any leads for them. Think about that, guys. So this is what I'm focused on. What are those components that really make the wholesaling company tick? I don't really focus on strategies. That's other people's lanes. My mind is an operational mind. And I found that the more I focused on these three components and got these three components right, the more and more I was able to have my freedom and not be slaving in my business. I'm telling you, there was a point in time 
for about two to three years where my wholesaling business, I was I was making good money. I was closing deals. But guys, I was working myself. If I kept that up to a stroke, to a heart attack or to death, I really don't want to be dramatic here. But um, I did have some health issues that required me to look at my wholesaling business and realize, hey, man, you can't keep this up. You have got to figure out how to systematize this and get other people to do the work for you. And guys, it all starts with marketing. And as long as you have marketing going in and you're targeting the right areas and right zip codes and you're generating leads every day, your company is going to be good. I'm telling you guys now you may have to work to call those leads and send off contracts if you don't have a team. But if you could just get that part of the company right and that part of the business right, you're going to solve a lot of your problems. But that's where a lot of people get tripped up on and they try to do like a duct tape job with it and get some leads coming in through texting, through cold calling without really focusing on that every day. If they need a deal, they might do a text blast, but they won't do it every day. You got to be consistent with it, guys, because when you stack that pipeline up, you're going to be following up with leads over the next several months. And those leads are going to turn into your deals. So please keep that in mind that whenever you are calling your sellers, 90% of them, 95% of them, they're not going to be interested in selling. Does that mean they're not a lead? No, they definitely are a lead if you qualify them and they, they're not asking for like a million dollars for a $200,000 house. Of course, you guys, if you guys are just differing on the price, but they are interested in selling, they're cold and you follow up with them at a later date. That's what I would do. Now, let me tell you a little bit about where some investors go wrong. And I'll tell you a horror story of mine, which actually... Um, caused me not to do any marketing for a few months. It was uh, 2017 and I pulled a pre-foreclosure list from a guy out in California. And this was when I was marketing in Charleston, South Carolina. Guys, I pulled this list and I marketed to it. I probably spent, I, I just got a Discover credit card. So I think I maxed the thing out <laughs> literally the day after I got it. And I probably spent uh, like, six grand, my partner and I on direct mail marketing. We were doing direct mail at the time and we got people calling us and they were motivated to sell. But guess what, guys? What they were asking for was way over what we were able to pay and they could not take less because they didn't have equity filters on the list. So people wanted to sell, but they couldn't take less than $300,000 if the house cost or if it was worth 200,000 because they refinanced around, you know, around the time uh, the recession hit. So that was around 2015, 2016 when I was doing that direct mail. So recession wasn't really fresh, but people were still recovering from it. People were still recovering from it uh, in my first few years of real estate. So I had to be really mindful of um, getting lists with equity filters. Now I don't really focus on equity that much, but um but back then I had to be, and I learned my lesson, very, very hard lesson because I, you know, I, I thought I just, that first month, I thought I just, you know, didn't get uh, the right people to, to mail me back or to call me back when I sent off my mailers, but I sent off another batch the next month. I think that was April and May of 2017. And 
it finally dawned on me whenever the people started calling back in May of 2017 that I didn't have any motivated sellers, meaning like sellers that motivated sellers I can work with because all of them were over encumbered in their houses. All of them had more than at least the motivated sellers, all of them owed more than what I can offer them. And I was trying to salvage that list. And if I knew about lease options and creative financing, I could have done something. But from what I remember, um, thinking back on that campaign, I think the people that wanted to sell with us, they really could not sell for anywhere near what we were offering. Not because they didn't want to, just because they refinanced, they refinanced their houses during the recession. So they, they lost all that equity from 08, 09, all the way to 2015. And, and to this day, those properties probably aren't worth um, worth what they were asking unless they a cash buyer bought it and uh, they, they work with the mortgage company to to knock some of the, some of that loan off. Uh, so a cash buyer could buy and flip it. That's how the only way I can see some of those houses selling. So that was an expensive lesson to learn. And why am I telling you guys this? Because this spooked me from actually spending money on marketing. Think about it. I didn't know what direction to turn. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have anybody I can go too far as at a RIA group. I probably could have gone to the RIA group, but guys, in all seriousness, in Charleston, South Carolina, it's a dog eat dog world, at least when I first started. So um, if you start telling your problems to people there, they probably take advantage of um, your ignorance, which that happened to me. That's a story for another day. As far as a, a buyer who was actually a realtor, he snaked the deal from me. But like I said, we'll uh, we'll chat about that in another podcast. Maybe I'll bring my partner on at the time uh, and, and we could discuss that deal that fell through, <laughs> that deal that almost made me quit wholesaling. Um, that was in 2017 as well. Fun year, fun year for CC. But yeah, so when we talk about marketing, to get back on topic here, we are talking about generating seller leads consistently that have motivation to sell. And it doesn't mean they need 50 cents on a dollar, but it means they have to have some motivation and you have to be able to have some meat on the bone for yourself and the buyer. That's where I went wrong. And I ended up stop almost, I stopped wholesaling for three or four months. We were following up with leads and I was telling my partner, maybe we could just follow up with leads because I really didn't know what to do with marketing. And I was scared because we spent 10 grand, I racked up that on my credit card with literally nothing to show for it. Nothing. That was, that was very stressful. Um, but guys, you got to earn your stripes in this business. And um, as much as I want to say you can bypass struggles, there are struggles. Now, do you have to lose $10,000 to learn a lesson? Probably not. I hope you don't. But those things happen. And those usually are the stories and lessons that stick with you that actually make your company better. So they're teaching moments. I don't recommend having too many of those teaching moments, but I would say uh, that they, they've definitely um, helped with my real estate education, helped me grow in this business. So let's talk about hiring. This is the second foundation that I want you guys to focus on. When we talk about hiring, there are two critical team members that I realize um, really makes my business go around. Guys, I'm an 80-20 guy. 
20% of what I do generates 80% of my results. I don't focus on the 80% of clutter, just straight to the 20%. And what I realized is that it comes down to having an operations manager and a lead manager and a couple of cold callers are lead generation VAs if they're doing texting for you. So I really like that lead manager position because I equate them to an executive assistant of the CRM. So of my customer relationship management system, that person is going to be the one that tells me, hey, Cece, we have a lead that came in six months ago. They wanted $200,000 initially, but I got them all the way down to $100,000. That doesn't happen immediately. That type of stuff happens over time through a lead manager calling them. And this is another analogy I like giving. If I worked at a McDonald's franchise, somebody has to get popped by grease and drop those fries in the grease. Does it have to be me or should it be a 15 year old that's working at McDonald's after high school? I would say the 16 year old, wouldn't you? Yes, yes. So think of your business like a franchise. Just because there's parts of it you don't want to do, you don't want to talk to those cold sellers, it doesn't mean those don't get done. I've seen too often, and I've heard too often whenever I call sellers, um, that the sellers say, man, I have gave that information about my house to so many people. You're the first person that called me. So you got investors spending money on cold calling, but they're not calling their sellers. And I think I know why. It's probably because those leads, they look cold, but you can't go to your cold calling team and just assume because your cold caller talked to them that the person's cold without you further qualifying them. There's steps involved to qualify the people to actually see if they're truly motivated because for all we know, the seller could be testing you because every time they somebody calls them to ask the information about their house, they give it to them, but nobody calls them back. So, you know, as a seller, I would get frustrated, especially if I'm motivated. And that's a good way to mess up a motivated seller. Only thing you have to do is pick up the phone and call them. And you'd be surprised, you know, sometimes or most of the times if the people are cold from your notes, from your cold callers, they really are. They don't have any motivation to sell, but you need to call to establish rapport with them. Even if it's just a five minute conversation, just to say, hey, um, hey, John, what's going on, my guy? I know you want 200000 for your house. Hey, you know, I'm around 75K. Okay. Hey, I sort of knew that that was a little bit too low. Just wanted to call to say hi to see if, you know, um, you were crazy enough to set my offer. It doesn't have to be too serious, guys. Know when you're going in that type of conversation that you're not expecting anything but a, a, a great conversation between two people because it ain't going nowhere. If somebody like that just put a roof on their house, put a new tenant in it, they want 300K for their house, their house is worth 200, so they're asking $100,000 over asking. Guys, just go in that conversation just to know that, hey, I'm going to put this person on a follow-up, but I'm going to learn a little bit about their situation so I have things to talk to them about later, the next time you call. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit of what I mean by that. Um, so what I like to do is this. Whenever I'm talking to a lead that's that's truly cold, I will actually uh, just try to dig up some information to build rapport with them. When I say rapport, just getting the person to like you without you being fake. Be authentic. 
Um, you know, if you, you know, you shouldn't have to make up stuff. If you don't like baseball, you don't have to, you know, say something about the Yankees winning the World Series. Don't do that. But you want to be relatable and actually listen to what they're saying and listen to what they want. You're still in control of the conversation. But that does mean that you are um, you're guiding them in a very deliberate direction to try to see if they are truly cold or truly hot by asking them probing slash testing questions. One of the things I like having my VA do is ask them, okay, hey, you want to move out of your house in 30 days? The person sounds hot. They're in the right price range. But I may ask them to see if they truly, truly are motivated and they're going to be able to sell in 30 days. Hey, did you start looking for another house or another apartment? Are you moving back home with a friend or your parents? And they may say, hey, man, yeah, I got a job, you know, across the way. I'm actually going to uh, move my stuff out tomorrow with my friends. We're getting some pizza and beer and moving out of this house. Okay, great. Or if they say, you know what? I haven't really even thought about where I'm going to move. Now, in my mind, if somebody says that they want to sell in 30 days, you call them and they haven't even thought about moving. They're they're not motivated. These people just say whatever to mess around with you, to get you off the phone, or they may not even realize what they're saying as far as the price. They may just be throwing stuff out there. So it's important you test people and take what they say at, at surface level with a grain of salt. Um, that's why I have VAs responsible for calling them because it could get a little tedious following up with them and these people being annoyed that you're following up with them. But somebody has to because at the end of the day, we don't have any sort of direct mail piece that we're able to give them so they can hold on to that and call us in their time of need. So we have to be proactive and reach out to them. So let's talk about the third one here. And that is leadership skills. Now you may say, well, Cece, foundation, leadership skills, what are you talking about? I am talking about understanding how to lead a team. There are different tasks that you do on a daily basis when it comes to monitoring, observing, and leading your team than if you're actually working in your business. And I'll give you a few examples here. So whenever I'm in my business, I'm cheerleading my people, I'm coaching them, and I'm training them. Training happens when people first come in my business. I'll train them on the job, the core responsibilities, on their job role. What are they supposed to be doing Monday through Friday whenever they log on to leave? So they know specifically what I'm holding them accountable for. If we're both on the same page, there's no issue whenever I ask them, hey, give me an update on this task or that task. Because, hey, we're clear on the expectations. So they can't play silly like they don't know what they're supposed to be doing because I set the expectations up initially and I ask them if they have any questions during the training and I make sure they understand what I'm asking them to do throughout the training by giving them practical exercises, doing mock calls, giving them quizzes on how to do comps, things like that to make sure you know I could test their knowledge to make sure that they know what they're doing. Now, that's part of being a leader. Another part of being a leader is understanding when to fire and being comfortable with that and understand who to hire 
Just because somebody could cold call doesn't mean they need to be a lead manager. Those jobs are not really similar outside of calling sellers. There's a lot more that goes into lead management than it goes into cold calling. So you need to be able to identify talent and know when your talent is really messing with you and not they don't really know how to do the job well. And when your talent actually is great and you need to um, really be mindful of those people on your really great employees of their workload. You don't want to overwork them. The temptation is to overwork them, but you don't want to because they'll get burned out. And then you may have you may find yourself in a situation where they leave your company and they worry your company because you didn't build any processes or systems around them because they were just really good at everything. And I've seen that investors really around their third, fourth, and fifth year, this is what they really struggle with, with knowing how to lead a company. So knowing how to do real estate and close deals is much different than leading a company. Just try if you have not hired yet. If you think you're really good at real estate and you want to try to you know, start automating things, just try to brain dump your acquisitions process or your lead management process or your transaction coordination process. It is very difficult to, to do that if you've been doing that for a while and you're an expert at it. And that's just something that I've really, uh, really gotten good at. It's downloading my information and giving people specific steps to follow. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. And they know when the beginning of a process is and when the end is. So when is the beginning of, of comping out a house? What do you do? Do you open up the MLS? Do you go to Redfin? Do you go to Realtor? And what, what, what defines the end? Do you need one comp, two comps, three comps? And you need to think of every single little detail along the way. This is what building your business to scale is right build to scale so i hope you understand where this name came from now you got to build your company with a solid foundation in order to scale it now guys i really appreciate you guys joining me here if you have any questions or comments regarding um, topics or anything i covered here uh, in any terminology or you have questions on how to hire virtual assistants please shoot us an email at info at ccgarlandmarketing.com and my team will get in touch with you. I look forward to hearing from you and I will talk to you later.